Welcome to another edition of the official Jets podcast training camp rolling on here, really getting in the dog days of summer. We kind of talked about this earlier. It's, it's August 10th right now as we record this, and it feels like you're taking a deep breath. You're going on. You're holding your breath under the water. And before we know it, we're going to be talking about Jets Panthers week one. Do you really feel like you're holding your breath under the water? No, I just are you feel, blowing bubbles? Uh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like it's we're at the point in training camp where you're so locked in to what you got to do each day that it just goes by quickly. And then before we know it, we'll be like, Oh, what do you, what do we think about Jets Panthers matchups week one? How many training camps is this for you now? Six. Uh, yeah, six, six, six season. So this is my 21st with the Jets and 22nd, I believe in the NFL. And I think the longer you're in this and I wanted to get your thoughts on that. The longer you're in the NFL, the quicker these camps seem to go. My first training camp was back in 2000 with the Buccaneers, and I thought, oh, my God, training camp is never going to end. <laughs> now we're sitting here, like you said, we're basically at the start of the third week of camp. I know you started training camp like in midweek or Thursday, actually, uh, was your first practice. But, I mean, the Jets and Giants are playing Saturday night. We talked about it earlier. They're going to have a day off. Then they – We'll have a practice Monday, leave for Wisconsin, joint practices, two joint practices, a walkthrough. You play Saturday, Sunday day off, Monday probably a lighter practice, Tuesday and Wednesday practice twice with the Eagles right out here at One Jets Drive. And then you play the Eagles. Preseason's over. Yeah, it, like I said, goes by quick. And I, I agree with what you said. You know, I feel like my first training camp, it was like, wow, this is – this is the NFL. This is a lot. And now it's like, not to say it's not a lot, but it does definitely feels a little, I feel a little calmer in the storm. I'll, I'll put it that way. Can you imagine two days though? No, I, I was, I was thinking about that when you were interviewing Curtis Martin. Yeah. No, I, I can't, I can't imagine being outside in the kind of heat that we got a glimpse of today. Like it was overcast. So we were fine, but if it was sunny outside, we would have been scorching hot. And in the past, when it is scorching hot, I can't even imagine wearing pads, let alone two days. So tough job for the equipment guys because I used to play hockey and I was a goalie, so I had a lot of equipment. And the reason why I'm saying that is that you'd have tournaments where you played multiple games in the same day, and I hated putting on wet equipment. Oh, That's yeah. one of the worst feelings in the world. And, and <laughs> But if you notice, the equipment staff here at One Jet Strive, for those who don't know, let's paint the picture. The Jets practice on a grass field. And then all the players with their pads put them on the turf field. All the equipment guys just have fans rotating and blowing. So I don't think that they wear wet pads ever, but it is, it's, it's definitely not a good feeling. And, and I know we're going to start talking X's and O's in football, but from a temperature standpoint, this has been about as good as you could have hoped for. It's been rather cool. On the days when it's been sunny, it hasn't been too hot. It was very humid out there today, and right now on the calendar, people are going to be listening to this on Wednesday and Thursday. Wednesday and Thursday is going to be high 90s around here. Yeah, it's not going to be great, but the next two days are definitely like T-shirt and shorts kind of weather for me because it's going to be hot. But we, we got dudes on the business side walking around here wearing sweatshirts and jeans. I yeah, I, I know. I, I don't understand it. I, I, <laughs> I called out the same person you did this morning and he said, you know, EA just said the same thing to me. I said, Well, you're talking to two guys that 
stand outside and you know i got warm just looking at him in a sweatshirt and jeans so we were on the field late green and white practice saturday night i wanted to ask your thoughts on just seeing people back in the building it's great i think the phrase it's a sight for sore eyes is probably often overused but it really was it was great to hear fans cheer after big plays whether that's the offense or the defense and i think that think that the year away from football or the, the year without fans really um i don't know i don't want to say like reinvigorated the fandom but like there's something extra about something a little special about this season because it's the first time that anyone's been able to see the jets in person from a fan perspective in a year almost now what a full year and a half yeah and i'll tell you what Elijah Moore is already a fan favorite from what I can see. I mean, they've been reading about him every day, and we've had an opportunity to see a lot of fans come out to one Jets drive for these open practices. Number eight is already becoming a fan favorite. He came out of the tunnel the other night at MetLife, and you heard this roar, and I loved what I saw out of Makai Becton. He was just wearing a smile on his face walking out there on the field. Remember these guys who were rookies last year, they did not have that experience. Yeah, they didn't have – a lot of experiences. Let's date back to OTAs and minicamp when Connor McGovern was saying, you know, I was talking to Makai back then. Like, this is what football is supposed to be about, like building bonds with your teammates and playing football. And Makai Becton and the rookie class last year didn't really have that. Now they do. And I, I'm you mentioned the green and white practice, green and white scrimmage, whatever you want to call it. You had we had talked about in the press box the emergence of three players, and I think that maybe we haven't focused on them enough on you know just across different platforms, but that's why we're gonna talk about it on the podcast to make sure that we cover our bases here. Okay. CJ Mosley, we talked about a little bit. His neighbor on the field, Jared Davis, I would say, has been ascending in practice. And same with safety Lamarcus Joyner. Yeah, three defensive players. How about that? Jets transitioning to a 4-3, and you're talking about two linebackers. The two veteran linebackers, Jeff Albrecht, is going to depend upon, and you have a lot of youth at that position. Hamza Nasrul Dean, Jamie and Sherwood. Uh, Blake Cashman's starting to make some plays out there on the field as well, so don't forget about him. And LaMarcus Joyner just brings another dynamic, I think, to the defensive backfield. And you see him and Marcus May starting both to make plays at practice. And they both have very versatile skill sets. And the Jets like it that, yeah, Joyner is a safety, but he does have that nickel versatility so he can come down and play some man-to-man. He's also feisty. And speaking of feisty, C.J. Mosley, he's not the rah-rah guy, but... You saw him come off the field the other night. Actually, before he talked to the reporters, he was saying he had a couple messages for the fans. Yeah, a couple, <laughs> a couple explicit messages at that, like in a good way. Not, yeah. not like he was taking umbrage with the fans, but he was basically saying, "I'm still that guy." Yeah, like, I, I'm, I'm still a dog. A couple, yeah. you know, you right. want to put whatever flavor, whatever explicit words within that sentence. Use your own imagination, but I think. I think with Joyner and Jared Davis in particular, I think maybe I'm wrong here. Something about being under the lights just kind of clicked with them, and maybe it felt a little reminiscent of of a game, even though it was just a, a practice. Like, it was a standard 
padded practice with some scrimmage-like elements. There wasn't full tackling or anything like that, but it definitely felt like everyone tried to to elevate their levels a little bit. And those two guys in particular, I think you saw it. Well, the Thursday prior to the green and white scrimmage, I guess, or game-like practice, the offense was leaning on the defense out here. It was a longer practice. We saw a lot of ground gains. But on Saturday night, you saw the first-team defense handle things and put them in unfavorable down and distance situations. And Jared Davis was flying all over the place. You talk about LaMarcus Joyner. He set up C.J. Mosley's interception, making a great read on a ball, deflected into the air. Mosley comes down with a diving interception. Mosley made a pass defense earlier in that practice. And Joyner probably should have had an interception inside the red zone when he had a beat on – I would say a forced throw from Zach Wilson. So listen, those guys have an opportunity here because it's a fresh start for everybody. But when you're talking about LaMarcus Joyner, he was most recently with the Raiders strictly as the nickel. Now he is a safety with the Jets. And C.J. Mosley, it's a fresh start for him. We haven't seen him too much over the last two years, and he's eager to remind everybody what he can do on the football field. So, uh, you know, those are three guys who could be, who should be key players for the Jets all year long. I just want to say this about Jared Davis. You're probably going to make fun of me because it has to do with a number. <laughs> Here we go. Thank, thankfully, he ditched the 40 from Detroit. I didn't think 40 was a good number for him. I like the, I like the 50, you know, I like the 52. I know it's David Harris and, you know, Big, you know, you're a big David Harris guy. I just think David Harris is a very solid linebacker. Yeah, me too. But I, I just not a like lot of flash, just good. a lot of substance. Jared Davis also brings an element of piston vinegar. Like he is out there. He seems like a mad player. He puts the pads on. He's ready to go. He's raring to go, and he's going to leave it all out there. We saw one practice. He kicked his helmet to the sideline. I haven't seen that in a long time. Uh, it seemed like the next day he was almost in a skirmish with somebody. Yeah. So he's a veteran who's going to, yeah, I think, going to push it and then maybe take a step back. I think he knows where that line is. All right, well, let's talk about the offense. feel like if you're not at Jets camp and you're going off the reactions of social media, beat writers, tweets, our tweets, you're reading our articles, you're reading articles about the Jets offense, you're probably thinking, like, what in the world is going on here with Zach Wilson in the offense? Because the defense, I would say, has been getting the upper hand the past couple of days. So can you please tell everyone watching, everyone listening, like what, why we got to pump the brakes a little bit and not overreact on a day-to-day -day basis? Well, what are you going to overreact to? Because, like, we just got off the practice field today and one of Zach Wilson's, and it might have been his first passing team, you'd have to correct me here, was a 40-yard pass down the field back shoulder to Jameson Crowder. You can't throw it any better. No, I, I, I was – you're right. You're absolutely right. But then there's no the decision-making, I feel no, like, based no. on green and white and all the other stuff. Listen, he's a rookie quarterback who's played in the league for 11 training camp practices on certain days that we don't know about. Salah talks about it post-practice. 
you have more installations than other days. There are days where the head coach knows when one side of the ball is going to be on ice skates going uphill backwards, you know, uh, and <laughs> there, there, there have been certain days like that for the offense at camp. Um, I think sometimes, yeah, you know, even on a completion the other night to Vincent Smith, I bet you Zach Wilson would have said afterwards when he's watching the film that maybe he releases the ball earlier, or maybe there were a couple decisions out there. Maybe he doesn't throw that ball to Crowder where Javelin Gidry is pretty tight in coverage and comes up with interceptions. No doubt about that. No quarterback wants to turn the football over, but Sala continues to talk about the process. And the other thing that we don't talk about nearly enough at practice is you have no idea what the practice script is. So sometimes they're working on third downs, but it's not third and manageable. It might be third and 15. It might be third and 12. There are certain points at practice called gotta habits fourth down situations where you're gonna throw the ball up in there and things like that so there's different things going on sometimes you're facing more blitz packages so you're gonna take a sack where maybe you're just gonna get better from it the next time around i just think that for anybody to anticipate that zach wilson was not going to have bumps in the road uh, you I mean, go watch It's a Wonderful Life 50 times. The bottom line is there is adversity. There is adversity for young quarterbacks in the National Football League. We haven't – guy's got more than a month until he even plays his first NFL game. Am I missing something here? No, I'm, I just like getting uh, you fired up. No, I, <laughs> I think you made a good point about not knowing what the practice script is because I'll, I'll give you a great example. If it is a third and long period, which means that every snap – the Jets offense takes, whether that's Zach Wilson, Mike White, James Morgan, or Josh Johnson, it is third and 10 plus, which means that the defensive line can pin their ears back and really get after the quarterback. Yeah. Where if the Jets, let's say on a standard drive in the regular season, run the ball twice and they get to a third and four area, the defensive line of whatever opponent is probably not going to be able to pin its ears back. So I think that it's a good, you have to take that into account. But when we watch, we don't know what exactly they're working on on a day-to-day -day basis. Like today, the Jets offensive line, the reserve offensive line did a great job opening up the holes for Ty Johnson. Yeah, Zach that was late in practice. It's like, here we come. And, right. and it, those it, guys couldn't stop them. It was full steam ahead. It was like here. And that's really, I think, what the Jets want to do as an offense is establish a run and then execute chunk plays off of play action. And that period, it seemed like they were moving the ball up. So it wasn't like a third and long specific period. But earlier in practice, when you see Zach Wilson roll to his right and, you know, make a what I think people would say is a questionable decision like oh why didn't you throw that away to your point maybe it's you know it's a third and long or it's a gotta have it period and you have to throw the ball we don't know exactly what's going on Salah also said something very interesting that he's going through a learning process in terms of seeing what he can do and what he can't do right. that's all part of it as well yeah. yeah you never want turnovers I get that and I'm not minimizing uh, uh, mistakes but where do you want to make mistakes on a practice field, right? 
I want to make I want my young players to make more mistakes on the practice field so they can go back and have film to look at it, learn, get better tomorrow, and then get better against the Giants and get better during practices against the Packers and so forth. Um, the other thing is they continue to say that he soaks things up like a sponge. He can't get enough. And, in fact, today Sala was referring to him going across the hall. Not only is he learning from Mike LaFleur and Rob Calabrese, the Jets quarterbacks coach, but I haven't heard – too many young quarterbacks do this at this stage of their careers where he's going into Jeff Albrecht's room, the defensive coordinator at the Jets, and talking through things from a defensive lens. So he wants to know what they're thinking, how they're attacking. So that speaks to what he wants to be, what he aspires to be. Yeah. Has it been perfect out there? No. Has there been times where you're shaking your head and like, God, oh, that doesn't look good? Yeah. But there have also been plenty of times on the practice field, case in point, red zone yesterday, throws an unbelievably gorgeous toss to Corey Davis, back shoulder touchdown. Sick catch, too. Sick catch. But that's the kind of connection you want to see throughout the year. And you mentioned it before. LaFleur has mentioned it before. Sala talks about it. Albrecht talks about the problems this run game will give opposing defenses is everything they're going to do offensively is predicated on the run game. Then a lot of play action and boots that fit Zach Wilson's game is going to follow. It's not like Salah and LaFleur are going to have him come out and they're going to throw 12 straight times in Carolina. And here we go. And we're just running spread offense. <laughs> I also think, I, I don't know. No, I, <laughs> you, I agree with everything you're saying. I also think that over the next week, between the Green Bay joint practice, or let's let me rewind the Giants game, the Green Boy, the Green Boy, the Green Bay joint practices, and the game next Saturday against the Packers at Lambeau. I think you're going to learn a lot about this Jets team. And you, the Jets have had what four, four, four padded practices, five padded practices, maybe. And I think that when you have joint practices and you have a game, things get elevated up another level. I understand the preseason, you're probably running vanilla schemes, but I, I do think that you'll be able to see certain things. You'll be able to tell certain things like for just using special teams as an example, when the lights are on, that's really when you evaluate your special teams, whether that's kickers, punters, returners, gunners, core special teamers, Brant Boyers consistently said it. You can't really go, 110 miles an hour on the fields behind us because that's friendly fire. You can't, and when you're on special teams, you got to go at a crazy speed all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're right about that. The kicking battle uh, is ongoing. You know, those two guys who are here had good days today and that heat and humidity that the kickers got to love. Um, Braxton Berrios has done some very good things as a punt returner in the National Football League. Corey Ballantine, um was a lead kickoff returner last year, but it extends beyond that because who are going to be your core special teamers? Justin Hardy left practice early today. Hopefully that's something minor because I like what I saw in limited plays Saturday night when he was a gunner. He was all over the place. Like as far as when that punt was coming down, 34 was right there. Also, you got you got to talk about Justin Hardy as a corner because 
we often think of him as just a special teams ace. Feels like he's quietly having an impressive camp on the outside. Yeah, I, and I know he's going against reserves mostly, but if you have charted all the PDs in camp, I don't know. Hardy might have the most PDs out of anybody. But speaking of cornerback, I'm glad you brought that up. I, I believe it's open competition everywhere. Everywhere. That's nickel and both sides, outside spots. Yeah, that's a, that is straight up a fact. Yeah. And I'm at the green and white practice after a couple of days of seeing rotational guys on the outside, like Sala said, Isaiah Dunn's getting some run. Brandon Eccles getting some run, both rookies, one drafted, one undrafted. Then we saw Bryce Hall and bless Austin. And I feel like Bryce Hall, the past four days or so has really started to come on strong in terms of coverage. And he's a player that in college before his senior, so his senior year was basically washed with a, with an ankle injury or leg injury that pushed his NFL debut back up to Monday night football midway through the season last year in 2020 against the Patriots. He was an ultra productive player at Virginia the year before led the nation in past defenses. He's got height. He's got length. And I feel like if there were a player that could take a pretty sizable jump with a proper offseason with, I don't know, a scheme fit, it could be Bryce Hall. You could definitely make that argument. You know, you mentioned his length, and that's what he's known for, right? So I think where you got to watch him now as the Jets take the next step here in the preseason is he's talked about the feet and the quickness aspect of it. He can only get better from facing a guy like Elijah Moore, and I think oftentimes we've seen that matchup here in a training camp. You're not going to play too many players in this league or face too many players in this league who can match the quickness of Elijah Moore. Just watching those guys from the press box angle the other night, and I'm including Corey Davis in this one, wow. Those guys really make some sharp breaks on routes. Corey Davis is another player who I think maybe had a quiet first week. And since he's just, he's hitting doubles all the time. He's not hitting singles and he's not hitting home runs. He's just always there when you need him to be. And whether that's a red zone fade from Zach Wilson with a nice little toe tap yep. on the end zone, whether that's third down on the outside, something over the middle, I think he's really come on strong. And th this is... He's really a solid player. Yeah, uh, you you just watch 84, watch him play in, play out. Yeah, he's so solid. And I think Wilson, uh, a good point there. I, I think, and would you say this is fair? I think Wilson, as camp has progressed, is looking in his direction more. I definitely agree with that. I think he might be, he, he could become the go-to guy like in a pinch or whenever you need a play, even though I think Elijah Moore in the start of camp has really been like the big play guy. Yep. Corey Davis feels like maybe the um, the security blanket so far. Hey, he, he knows where the sticks are. Uh, he's a very good route runner. He's a big body, so he can box guys out and, and get to that ball first. He explodes at the top of his routes. Um, he's got very good hands, but – those two have a ways to go too. And I'm sure they would both tell you this is that Wilson targeted them a lot of times on Saturday night. And they only connected around like three of them, I think. Yeah. 
Saturday night yeah. was wasn't the offense's best night no. overall, but it also depends on what kind of lens you want to look at it through because on the flip side, you could talk about how well the defense played. And I think the defense has been very impressive. Also, you have to take into account that Robert Sala said at this point in training camp, the defense should have the upper hand. As training camp goes on and the offense finishes its install, which happened a couple days ago, now the offense has a chance to catch up. And then you're on the level playing field. And that's when you probably want to see a little more give and take between both units. The defensive line has just been really good. So when they're buzzing around the tower like that, which they often are, the quarterback's clock has to, it's got to speed up because you got to get rid of the football. Uh, we talked about Carl Lawson so many times, but we haven't talked about him enough because he's just been awesome. And then you have Fuller Runzo Fadakasi and Sheldon Rankins and Nathan Shepard in the middle. We haven't even seen Quinn Williams that John Franklin Myers has been very good. Jeff Ulbrich loves Bryce Hoff. I'll tell you that one right now. He talked to the media about that. He raved about his work ethic when I had an opportunity to talk to him. So you have a lot of guys up front. And hopefully you get Vinny Curry back maybe in week two of the regular season. Kyle Phelps still uh, banged up. But Williams is a guy you know, we're targeting next week because you bring him back into the equation. So what is the defensive line ceiling? I think the defensive line should have Jets fans extremely excited. And to wrap up this episode of the pod, I know it's preseason, so you can't really take a whole lot out of it, right? It's not a regular season game. Everything's kind of vanilla in terms of scheme, not tip your hand. But is there a position or are there a player or two that you're looking forward to seeing putting the pads on? against the Giants or even against the Packers next week in joint practices? Uh, I, I think quickly I would go to the cornerbacks. I mean, we're going to have our eyes on the cornerbacks every game because who's able to take their play to another level when you're facing another team? And that's not only outside, but that's inside as well. The young linebackers I'm constantly watching, whether that be Dean or Sherwood, uh, Sherwood is the backup Mike, and he's an awfully heady ball player. And then on the other side of the ball, how about the offensive line? Because each and every day we're talking about how great the Jets' defensive line is. I'm not knocking any other teams, but if I'm a, I'm a Jets' offensive lineman and I'm going against these guys every day, especially when Quinton Williams gets back, I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'm prepared to face any defensive line in the NFL. So I especially want to see how that first unit offensive line does, not only against the Giants, because we're going to have to see how many series they play, but against the Packers throughout that week. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I agree with both positions, corner and offensive line. But I'm really, about the offensive line in particular, to me, it's like, well, I understand you have to get better. You have to be aggressive in practice. But it's not like it's a it's not like the defenders are tackling the offensive player. So how much do you really want to snap off the ball and start trying to bury your own teammate? I mean, I'm sure that that happens throughout the league, but I wonder if when the Jets play the Giants Saturday or against the Packers, if they really fire off the ball, I want to see what that looks like as a unit. And I think outside of corner, uh, 
Yeah, I'd probably say corner. <laughs> I just feel like we've talked about so many different guys, and there's all these. Um, well, but it's oh, no, 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 no. I know what I was going to say. Yeah. Running back. Okay. Because there's some guys there where they've each flashed Kevin Coleman, Michael Carter, Austin Walter, Josh Adams, P. Ryan. Am I missing somebody? Ty Johnson. Ty Johnson. So Austin Walter is like the overlooked guy there. <laughs> he continues to make plays. Like I, I know, but I just, I want to see what they look like in a game setting. And we've seen Michael P. Ryan now run over two Jets defenders. He's got a little pop to him, right? Everyone's got a different flavor. I'd like to see what the running game as a whole looks like. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll get a better read on Wilson because of that, because everything is going to be predicated on what the Jets can do running the football. And we're going to get early indications of that here this summer. Again, you're not going to use your best stuff, but you just want to see these guys win in one-on-one -on -one battles inside the trenches and see if they get some good push because uh, Wilson's good with ball deception. He's also very good in terms of moving. We all know that. And he's comfortable with throwing the ball on the run and LaFleur likes to use that run to set up the play action stuff down the field. One thing on Wilson that I found interesting, Daniel Jeremiah was here at Jets camp, and he said the one thing about Zach Wilson that you can't see practicing is what a lot of people fell in love with in the pre-draft process was him being a gamer and some of the magic that he can create off script in a game setting. And he can't really do that here when you're on – third and 15 practice periods and specific scripted periods. As you get in the game, you can do stuff where you said where maybe his ball deception is further along where a normal rookie is. And that allows, you know, that makes the defender collapse on the run. Now he's open and he has room to run and roam and he can hit somebody downfield. I think that those are the types of things that you want to look for as well. Listen, when he's been decisive, he's been good. Uh, it, it's clear. Uh, and when you see him going back and he, and he feels comfortable with it and he lets it rip, he's been good. He's going to have his moments. He's still going to have his moments along the way. But I say enjoy the ride right now. And I think this is a very good offense for a rookie quarterback to come into because you're hoping you get that really good push from the offensive line. You have multiple running backs who can do different things. You are not going to go away from that. And you have – an interesting group of targets now. Elijah Moore comes in. You got the savvy veteran and Jameson Crowder. Corey Davis is so solid. Um, and there are other guys in that mix as well. Don't forget about Denzel Mims. He popped today at practice. Denzel Mims is an interesting case in, in social media right now because a lot of fans want to see stuff from him. Some fans think that he's not going to even make the team, but... Look, Denzel Mims, I think, has been ascending. I was very impressed with his green and white catch, the one yes. where he came back and plucked it from the corner. Yes. You really saw the aggression. He's a player to me that plays better in pads because he is a tall, physical receiver, and when he can get on you, and he's a very good run blocker. Yes, he is. So yeah. I, I think that he's somebody that will benefit from the pads being on, and we'll see how he performs against the Giants, as we'll see for the entire New York Jets team. And that's all we have here on this episode of the official Jets podcast.